Thank you for listening to Abide Church. At Abide, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. Uh, there's been so much anticipation. It's one of those things where, you know, we changed all the outside. We had some friends come over to our church, and we had remodeled the inside of the church. And they came, and they're like, wow, the inside really does not match the outside. I'm like, that's freaking rude, man. Like, dang it. Give me some time. So this is us, um, this is us being done, you know, um, with what God is doing. And we feel that now God is transitioning us to a, a time of full-time ministry where we're discipling people. And we're sending, how many of you guys were at the outreach yesterday? Look at that. Look around. That, I want to tell you over 25% of our church was at the outreach yesterday in downtown Tampa at 7 o'clock in the morning. And it was cold. But we were out in the street and we, like my wife, we always say, we weren't out there handing out tracts and telling people they're going to hell. We did give them tracts. I'm not saying, I'm not against that. We didn't, we didn't bring out Abide Church, Life Church flyers. We're just trying to live out this gospel. And, and what we've been telling you guys for weeks, maybe years now, is that this gospel, it looks like something. I would, what I would hate to do is to build a church where people looked at, at a ministry team and that they would separate themselves. So at, by church, we don't have a ministry team and church attenders. It doesn't exist. We believe that if you have been called to, to, to Jesus and you have said yes to him, that you are in full-time ministry. Amen? We believe that there is something inside of you that the world needs. And so we don't get to just come to church and sit back. I believe that there are giftings and, and things that God put inside of you that people are waiting for. So many times we're waiting for God. We're saying, God, do a miracle. We see situations. It would be easy for us to drive through downtown and say, God, look at all of the struggling people. God, do something. But sometimes I feel that God is saying, why don't you do something? There are times where we're contending for miracles and you can fast and you can pray and you can do whatever the heck you want to do. But at the end of the day, God is saying, what are you doing with what I have given you? Here's the truth. You cannot follow Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus and ignore what he died for. It's impossible. Part of abiding is understanding. What is abide? It means to remain, to stay. It means you find yourself in this place where you have hidden yourself in the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what about, what about ministry? If you don't get this, you don't get to do that. Yesterday we were in downtown and there was, no, there was no soapbox. We didn't bring microphones to preach. You say, well, who preached the gospel? All 25 people. Well, when did they do it? When Carl was scrambling eggs. When Mike Golden was making bacon. <laughs> That's the, when did we see you? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. Oh, people are excited about this. You know why? Because when you got into the street, we were, I was talking with Covington yesterday, one of the guys who moved here with us. And he was saying, you know, we go downtown and we talk about outreach so we can go blessed. But here's the truth. When you go to the least of these, the one who really leaves transformed is you. There is something about you giving of yourself where people were listening to stories. And as the people walked away, they ran around corners weeping because the presence of God was on them. Because they realized that there are lots of different things that you can give your attention to. 
as Chucho said, there are a lot of things that are pulling towards your attention. But when you stop and you see the person in front of you and you realize ministry is easy when I stop and I listen. When I stop and I listen and I say, listen, in this moment I have no agenda. I'm not trying to find my segue and to find out if you are saved because it's not my job to save them. The only commandment that you are given is to go and make disciples. It does not say go save the world. It says go and as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven and then they have a choice. It didn't say continue to say until they say yeah. Didn't say it. You know why? Because words, because words have lost their power. Because people have said and they said and they said, but what they're looking is for people who would live, that their life would have a message. That if I if I say, what a shame would it be if we call ourselves abide church, but we never we never learn to abide. Oh, we only abide Sunday mornings like from 10:30 to 12. That's it. That's just it. We create space. What what is that? We, we have taken this on as a lifestyle. That is why we have things like Easy 44. That's why on Sunday nights the women are going to gather. That's why the youth ministry is going to be an empowerment of what God is doing in this church. It's believing that those guys and those girls that are coming are world changers. So I'm not teaching them how to cope with their sin. I'm teaching them to walk in freedom. Are you alive? And so for months and for months we've been preaching and it's like, well, it seems like you're preaching the same thing. I'm not going to change the subject till we get it. I'm, I'm talking about for me. Realizing that there are situations that I cannot control, and even if I could, I shouldn't. That if I'm going to trust the Lord with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, that means me taking a step back and saying, God, okay, in this moment, I'm going to surrender, rest, and abide. Surrender is a continual thing. If you think you only surrender one time in your life, you have been mistaken. I told you weeks ago, faith in your life, it's, the Bible says without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. And so we have a lot of people that are working for their faith, but faith is not something that you acquire. Faith in your life is something that you are reduced to. It's when the Lord strips me of myself. Uh, of, my, of, of, of me trying to control every situation, of me trying to manipulate. Me and Bud were having a conversation and we were talking about worship. And you understand at this church, we, worship is not something we do, it's who we are. I don't worship. Sun, Sunday mornings is, is, a, is a celebration of what God has been doing all week long. That's why some people, it's hard for them to enter in because if you're waiting to Sunday morning, it's going to take you till the last minute of the last song to finally feel awe. Oh. But when you spend time with him throughout the whole week, you say, well, I don't have time. You drive to work. Come on. You got, you got a minute while you're cooking, turn on some worship music and start speaking in tongues. Do something. But when you begin to live your life in this place of rest and surrender, in the middle, listen, we got two little kids. We get it. I called my wife the other day. How you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> we got two little kids. We get it. But if I don't learn to make time to abide in his presence, I cannot produce fruit. And if, not, if I'm not producing fruit, then the words that come out of my, my mouth have no weight. They mean nothing. It's like I saying, we're a missional church. We believe in giving to the poor, but we're never going to do outreach. 
It's like saying we believe that worship is important, but we're only going to do 15 minutes. We take our time in worship because it is in, in worship that our hearts and our minds are transformed. You cannot receive the word of God until your heart is prepared. Until you have positioned yourself for you to say, whatever you want to do, God, do it. And we've talked about this transition that needs to take place. And I want to read today. Oh, man. I want to read so many things. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you long. i got a timer. Take it easy. Let's go to John 15. This has, been, this has been something that we've read over and over and over. I hope I read it so much you've memorized it. I'm going to read it through, you know, in a, in a couple of different. No, I'm just going to read it in this translation. It's going to be up on the screen. I know different translations may say different things, but the main context of this is the Lord is trying to show you the power of abiding, of staying attached. He's divine, you're the branch. And staying attached to him every single day of your life. And so John 15, it says this. I am the sprouting vine. This is the Passion Translation. And the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches. How many of you are thankful for that? Even the parts of your life that are not fruitful right now, he's making way for them to be fruitful again. the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Verse 3, the words I have spoken over and over you are, have already cleansed you. So you must remain, that word there is abide. You must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. That is a promise. If you abide, if you remain in him, he will remain in you. No ands, ands, or buts about it. For as a branch is severed from the vine, it will not bear fruit. So your life will be fruitful it will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately, say intimately, intimately joined to me. I am the sprouting vine and you are the branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. Oh my goodness. What does this mean? That means if you want to live a life that is fruitful, I'm, I'm not just talking about ministry. If you work a secular job and you want to see the blessing of the Lord, your only responsibility is how, how can I abide in him? The context of the scripture is not how to do ministry better. It's how to live a fruitful life. This should stream into my finances. It should stream into my marriage. It should stream into the way I parent, the way I do everything in my life. If I learn to remain in him and block everything else out, that means that fruitfulness will flow from my life. There will be a transformation that happens in my heart where I will begin to see things differently. There are people in this world right now that think that they see. The Bible says there are people that are going away and they think it is the right way, but it is a way that leads to destruction. They don't even know they're going the wrong way. You know, for years, I, I, I lived my life and, and I was driving it. There's no other way. If, if I'm living, I'm living my life. But I'm going, I'm going about my life and I'm driving. And, and I'm going down the road and I begin to see them and I'm looking at street signs and I can't see them right anymore. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And so finally, I, I was getting headaches and different things, and I went to the doctor, an eye doctor, and he gave, me, he gave me a test, and I realized, well, dang, I don't have good vision. And here's the truth, man. Before I had the eye test, I thought everything I saw was just the way it was supposed to be. I was driving down the road. I didn't think, man, I got bad vision. 
there was something that had to happen. I had to take a test that showed me, hey, there's something wrong with your eyesight. And furthermore, I had to partner with that, and I had to start wearing glasses to see things the right way. So now I have a choice, right? Every day I wake up, either I'm going to choose to live life and seeing everything blurry, or I'm going to put on these dang glasses. It's no different. If you choose not to abide, you cannot see things the right way. There's something that happens when you spend time in his presence. Let's not make this religious. I'm not telling you to spend an hour every day reading the Old Testament. (laughs) Though it would be good for you. (laughs) But the transformation that is taking place, and we've talked about this old wineskin where people would tell you, you got to read this much and worship this much. The Lord is transforming it where, where we're realizing now spending time just with him is enough. If he wants me to read the word in that moment, I'll read the word. But if all he wants me to do is sit in his presence, the Shekinah glory, which is not just available when you feel it, by the way. Just because you don't feel the Shekinah glory is the weighty presence of God. It is his presence comes and it transforms. It's, it, you see it all throughout the Old Testament. and it's, it's even in the New. But I need you to hear this. Just because you don't feel the presence of God does not mean the presence of God is not with you. And so for us to sit and just allow him and to sit, see, lots of people sit for something or until something, but God is looking for people that would just sit just because. (laughs) That they would realize, you don't have to do anything else in my life. If he doesn't do anything else for me the rest of my life, he's broken me of addiction. He's broken me of anger. He's given me a beautiful family. That's enough. The problem that we have today is we live in a world that always needs to have more, 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 more. And we, we believe on return on investment. You don't believe it. It's true. If I do this, then what am I going to get out of it? But the truth is God has already done by sending his son everything that we ever could need. And so we're waiting for revival. We sang, if you're looking for a people who are hungry, we sang it. <laughs> Part of my struggle with a lot of revival cultures, I feel like we're waiting for a moment that's already here. Revival doesn't happen in a service. Revival happens when you turn your heart to him. When there's something inside of you that says, I'm going to push everything else out. When he becomes my main pursuit. You see, surrender looks like something. If you think about surrender in the context of war, People didn't get to surrender and then live halfway in, halfway out. When they surrendered, it was a full surrender. Hey, I'm going to surrender half of my castle. Let's work this out. You have this half, and I'm going to remain in this. It didn't work that way. The moment that white flag was, was, whatever you call this, waving, the moment that happens, it means everything that used to be mine is now yours. And so what would it look like if God were to find a body of people that would fully surrender everything that they had? I'm even talking about your ministry because you could serve God and not know him. You could be doing work for the Lord, but it doesn't mean you're making him glad. The Bible says that we were talking about it this morning. People said, they stand before the Father. They say, he said, I never knew you. But didn't we not prophesy? I'm not going to say all of it because I'm messing up somebody's sermon right now. (laughs) But the context is they did a lot of things for him, but their hearts were not yoked to him. And in a world that is looking for self-promotion 
and looking to find a way to climb up a ladder. The Lord is just looking for people that would say, I just want to go low. If I can just sit here and if I could just have him, then maybe when I run across a Jared, Jared's life would be transformed. Uh, can I talk to you about Jared? Yesterday we were in outreach, and, uh, and, and uh, Stephen saw this kid. And uh, when we go downtown, there's lots of people that walk with their heads down. There's lots of, there's lots of stuff, you know. We live in a world, we live in here in Fishhawk. This is beautiful, man. But you go 30 minutes the other way and there's lots of struggle. And uh, we run across Jerry, he's walking with his head up and Stephen's like, that's unusual. So Stephen stops him and they begin to have a dialogue. And then Stephen brings him over, he says, I want to pray over Stephen. He's been living in Tampa for five years now and he's been living on the street. Going from job to job to job. And, uh, and he, does, he, he, he didn't want no clothes. He wouldn't take money. And so we prayed over him, and as we began to pray over him, we began to prophesy. And, and I felt the Lord tell me to tell him, as he was going to meet his father, who he barely even knew, that this was going to be a fresh start for him, that it was going to be a new day, and everything that happened in Tampa was going to stay in Tampa. And we just began to prophesy over him. Because when you spend time with the Lord, you don't have to wait for a word from the Lord. You begin to know his heart. And when you know his heart, you can talk on his behalf. So I began to speak life over him, and he began to weep. And then I held him, and he just, just held me. I was like, what the heck? And we were, just, we were just holding each other. Everybody was standing there. And then he said, he said, thank you so much. And then he had a bag. And then he opens up his bag, and he starts to give his clothes because he says, I want to bless people, and we're just so confused. Because here's a guy who lived on the street for five years and now he's giving up his stuff for those in need. And then we begin to have a dialogue with him and the series of events where he was standing somewhere in downtown Tampa and he just decided that it was just time to end his life. The night before. I don't know, you get to a certain place where I guess you just don't feel like life's worth living. And he said to me, God did not let me die. Then he calls his dad, who he hadn't talked to in years, and his dad's buying him a bus ticket to go up north to meet a man he never knew. But what's God, it's a prophetic picture of what he's doing in the world. He's bringing dead things back to life. And he's calling prodigals home. And he's using people like us. It would be, nobody, nobody opened up a Bible yesterday. Because according to the Bible, when we walk with him, we become living epistles. I'm not saying you become the Bible, but I'm saying your life becomes a representation of what's in that book. And so people look at you and they begin to trust you because they see something inside of you. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to love you. What would cause a stranger to hug another stranger and just hold? Because he knew I had no agenda for him except to love him. I'm not just talking about me. There were 25 people there that did the same thing yesterday. But when you spend time with Jesus and you live out John 15... You begin to walk past people, and it, it becomes so easy to look past their dysfunction because you know that's not them. You begin to see that little boy, that little girl. And you begin to hear stories like, man, he's never had a dad. And in this moment, whatever image of he has of God is broken, and he's doing a new thing. 
And what I believe, the, the reason, the reason why as a church we've become abide is because we believe that this next wave of revivals is going to look a lot less like, hey, we're having a revival on January 28th, come at 10 o'clock, we schedule it so the Lord is going to show up. And it's going to look a lot more like us spending time with Jared's. And saying, you know what, bro, I know it's Saturday morning and there's lots of different things I could be doing, but I just want to be here with you. How do you want your eggs? <laughs> how, much, how much bacon do you want, bro? You can have all the bacon. We were messing with, I was talking to a guy named Shipwreck. I, I love it. I was sitting at a, is this okay? I'm just, I'm just sharing my heart. And me and Shipwreck are sitting down, and I'm asking him about his life, and then he starts to talk about this fudge. Now, I had seen the fudge. Miss Judy, Miss Judy waved. She made a bunch of fudge, like 40, 50 bags of fudge, lots of fudge. And he's like, the peanut butter fudge is good, bro. I'm like, I'm going to go get me some. So I get up in line, and I'm like, oh, man, the fudge is gone. Like, they killed the fudge. So I go about, and I saw Shipwreck walk away, and then I see Shipwreck walk back. He smiles at me, kind of gives me one of these. I'm like, okay. He, he pulls off his backpack. He opens it up. 30 bags of chocolate fudge. <laughs> that was my, my second favorite story of the day was that one. Because at some point he was darkened out, walking down the road. He's like, I can't steal all the freaking fudge. I got to go, go back. But as a church, right, we have one mission. Jesus is not a pursuit. He is the only pursuit. I feel that like sometimes we're looking for Jesus and he's in the face of the broken. He's, he's hid, he has hidden himself in them. And you can't see them until you see him. When I looked at Jared yesterday, I didn't, I didn't I, I, bro, I'm going to be honest, Stephen, I didn't even see a broken kid. Bro. It's like I saw the Lord. And as we laid hands on him, I just began to hear, this is my son. And what the world needs from you, from you, not from a pastor, from you, is for you to have the ability to look at people in the middle of their crisis and speak identity over them. Well, I don't know what to do with my life. I I've given you a key. You tell them, read John 15. Well, I don't get it. Let me explain it to you. If this branch came off this tree, this branch would die. Unless you become like that branch to Jesus, you're never going to find wholeness. Now, you have just preached the gospel to that person. Because until they see him, they cannot surrender. We, we accept, believe, and confess. I get it, but none of that can happen until we see him in his goodness. So I had this dream, and I'll end with this. I've been having so many dreams lately. I've been waking up and asking my wife what's real and what's not real. <laughs> I had a dream, and I woke up. I was like, did this happen, or was this a dream? <laughs> I had a dream, and this dream, this, it, it was at our church, and um, it was not this building. It was a different building, but it was our church. And as I was standing on the stage sharing, the Lord stopped, and I went, and I gave a person that was to my left a prophetic word, and I was giving them a prophetic word about sonship. And saying, the Lord wants you to reconnect with your father. And I was talking about the, his physical father and the spiritual father. You following me? Yeah. 
And as I began to talk to him, I said, there's bitterness and anger in your heart and some things I need to leave. And the person got angry. And the person got angry and he began to, he was very upset. He looked at me and he would point and he would say, you are not of God. You are not of God. And I was so broken because it's like, I, was, I don't want anything from you. And so my only response in that moment in the dream was, don't you want to be free? Like, it wasn't like a condemning, don't you want to be free? It's like, there's freedom for you. There's freedom for you. And the person, the person was, there was this inner battle going on. And then I had another dream. So that was a dream where the person got angry. I had another dream. And in that dream, it was a similar scenario. I was preaching. And I went down to the person. And the Lord told me, very similar, this person has brokenness from fatherhood. And instead of, of saying it to the, to the person, I just embraced him. And I held him. And as I held him, I began to see things fall off of him. You understand what I'm saying to you? And what I feel, what I feel the Lord is saying is there was this model of ministry where people thought, I have to shove things down people's throat because it's more important to be right than make a difference. I got to be right, I got to be right, I got to be right. Into a season where I can disagree with you and still love you. Like, I don't have to wait for you to talk like me, walk like me, act like me for me to embrace you. I'm just going to, that's why our churches belong, believe, become. Because the moment they come across me, they belong in my family. And I don't care what kind of dysfunctions they have going on. And it should be no different for you. You loving people well is snatching them out of the fire. You say, well, I wish I could disciple them better. You cannot disciple what you do not love. You only have authority over what you have wept over. Don't go try to save the world if you haven't wept for them. Get in, a, get in a closet, let him break your heart for them, and then go minister, and you'll see how you see them differently. So in this season, we see God doing lots of amazing things, but if I can say one thing to you is we have to get this right. You have to read John 15 until that John 15 becomes a lifestyle, and I'm not saying this in a condemning way at all. I'm not saying if you're not doing this that you're going to hell. I'm just saying there's a better way. I'm just saying there's a better way, and, I, and I, what I want for you is what he wants for you, for you to live like, like he had it in the beginning, hand in hand with him. If God's model for Christianity was for you to live through a pastor, he would have put one in the garden. He would have put one in there. God's model for you is for you to live hand in hand with him. Free from sin, ruling and reigning, because you have been given dominion. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Please connect with us online at AbideChurchFL.com.